Y'all ready? God, thank you so much. God, I thank you we can even sing that song. I thank you that I can sing a song that I remember the day when the Lord saved me. God, we come to you in one accord and tell you thank you for the day that you washed away all of our sins, that all things become new, God. God, even today as we just sit and talk for a little while about your goodness, God, I'm amazed that you love us, that you love us in spite of us. And God, even as we talked a little bit today, Lord, in, in a conversation and talking about well done, and God, it just stands ever present to me that on my best day without the blood of Jesus, you could not tell me well done. And God, I just want to tell you thank you so much. Thank you for the countless many wonderful, undeserved blessings you freely poured out to us, God. Lord, I pray as we take and give back just a tiny little bitty fraction of all that you've done, I pray you take this offering. I ask you to increase it, magnify it, and help us, God, to reach this town with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a day that will be. Anybody going to sing and shout the victory? We ain't got to wait till we get there to do that. We can go ahead and sing now. We can shout now. We can worship now. We can praise now. I want to go ahead and get practiced up. I don't want to look like a rookie when I get to heaven like I ain't never worshiped him before. I don't want to look like a beginner. I want to look like I got a little bit of praise on already. Amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles... You better go ahead and rejoice now. James chapter 3. Anybody that's read very much knows he's talking about that unruly tongue. Woo! That old wicked tongue. Well, we're going to read James chapter 3. I tried picking out a couple of three verses to look at, and we're really not doing a Bible study like on Wednesday night, and I couldn't find one that, Say it any less than the other one, so we'll just go ahead and read all of it. How about that? James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths and they, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue 
can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Well, let me go ahead and say it right. These things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and induced with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. God, thank you so much for your book. Thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you used James right here to, to write. Father, I pray that you teach us tonight, God. Help us to walk out of these doors having been changed. God, I pray you'd give us a little conviction. God, I pray you'd give us a little joy, a little peace, a little direction. And God, I pray you'd just touch us with your presence, God. That we might leave here and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. May all that we do be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able to bridle the whole body. James says if a man could control his tongue, he would have perfect control over his entire body. How awesome would that be? Now, think for a minute about who's writing the text. We're talking about the half-brother of Jesus. We're talking about one that, that grew up in the same house. We're talking about one that grew up and, and ate at the same table, probably slept in the same room, and he spent all of his life watching and saw that Jesus never said one bad thing about anybody. I just quenched the spirit right all up in the house of God, didn't I? He never said one negative thing about a person. If he said it, it was righteous. If he said it, it was holy. James watched as Jesus had complete control of his tongue, complete control of his actions. In every situation, no matter what it was, he was always holy. And what he said is that the perfect man never says anything wrong. We just need to go to the altar right there. Anybody feel like the perfect person right about now? So he gives us this example from nature is how we can take a horse, this strong, massive animal, and we can take a little bitty bit and put it in his mouth. And you pull that bit up to where it touches the lips, and you pull it just enough to where it barely wrinkles the skin, and that's where you set it. And all that does, it means it's just touching. You can do whatever you want for now, but with just the least little bit of a tug, we can make him do whatever we want to do. 
We can make him turn one way or another. We can make him stop. With just that little bit of a bit in a horse's mouth, we can take this massive, powerful animal and have him do whatever we want him to do. He says, by the same token, look at the ships. These massive ships, they're blown by these fierce winds out in the open ocean, but with a little bitty rudder, you can put that little rudder on the back, and we can control that whole ship. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. If we're going to live a Christian life, in a Christian manner, and we want people to see Christ in us, then the very first and foremost thing that we must do is get a handle on our tongue. If we want people to see Christ in us, the first thing that we have to be able to get a bridle on and fully control is the tongue. Verse number 6, James begins to give us this description of the tongue. The word that he uses here for iniquity is a word that means unrighteousness, or wrongdoing. Can I tell you the tongue is telling us is more dangerous than the worst of fires. You look especially in the fall and we sit on the news and I don't think we can really comprehend the vastness of the forest fires out there. We sit on television but we don't really get the fullness of it. They begin to talk about acres and acres and you see these forest fires out there and they burn sometimes tens of thousands of acres they destroy hundreds of houses and they do millions of dollars worth of damage. But he says the tongue is a fire that will destroy lives, destroy families, destroy homes, not houses, homes, and can do more damage than any amount of money can ever rebuild. In the beginning, the tongue is the root of all evil. I know the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. But that's just because of our desires. But in the beginning, it was the tongue. It was that forked tongue serpent that came to Eve and beguiled Eve. He used his tongue to take the word of God and changed it around. He added some things too, and he took some things away, just like he's doing in your life. I said, just like he's doing in your life. The devil takes some things to the word of God. You better be careful the Spirit speaking to you if you don't know the Bible really well, because the devil knows it really good. Don't tell me you know God spoke to you unless you know the whole truth because the devil came in God's word and he said, hath God said? And then he began to change little bitty things. And before you know it, Eve in this conversation was using her tongue and she began to add to what God said. She added lest we touch it. He didn't say nothing about that. So the first thing that we see is the tongue was used by the serpent. But then we see that the tongue became also the tool as Adam begins to defend himself and not take any responsibility for his own actions, but he blamed that woman and he blamed that God. And then you take Eve and her tongue comes into the equation and she doesn't take any responsibility for her own actions. She takes her tongue and she says it was the serpent's fault. He's the one that beguiled me. So from the very beginning, we see that the tongue is a liar. We see that the tongue is something used against God. Even Cain, in the first recorded words that Cain ever spoke, it was a lie. The Bible talks about him, Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 8. It says that Cain talked with Abel, his brother, but it doesn't say what he said. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is 
Abel thy brother. So up to this point, Cain's not said anything. But the first thing out of his mouth is a lie. Not just a lie, but a smart aleck answer to God. I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? If my son answered me like that, he said, I wouldn't. We talked about it the other day. He said, it would have been a... So the very first thing out of Cain's mouth is a lie and a smart aleck answer to God. It, it was the tongue of Moses when he came down and saw what the children had done. It was the tongue that drove his actions, and it was the very thing that kept him from ever getting to go into the promised land. The tongue's been a problem from day one. The first recorded words of organized humanity, so far as a city goes, in Genesis chapter 11, verse number 3, they said to one another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had, had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into the heaven and let us make us a name lest we should be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Verse number 7, it tells us that God confounded their speech so that they could no longer build the tower. And then verse number 9, it tells us that the name of that place was called Babel. The Wycliffe Bible Translator Center in Dallas, Texas tells us there are more than 5,000 language dialects on the earth today. A lot of them still don't have the Bible in their own language. Matter of fact, ironically enough, I got an email this week. I don't even remember who it's from. But somebody wants me to donate money. They're trying to translate the Bible into some tribe in another country but they're trying to translate so that those people might have the word of God in their own language even some of God's greatest saints use their tongue negatively Abraham was a friend of God was he not he, he's the father of, of the Hebrew nation he's one that God used he bore the promise and and God didn't do many things but did he not use his tongue to lie about his wife at least twice we, we know that David, David is a man after God's own heart, but we know that David lied to Ahimelech along with other things that we noted. But the list goes on and on. You study God's Word, you find some of what we would consider the most righteous, holy men in all the Bible. They use their tongue to speak evil things. James uses this word here, defileth. It means to spot or to stain those of you here on Wednesday night. And not having to work in Awana, you know, that we talked about um, there in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the word that was used is filthiness. And I told you that word translated from filthiness, that was the only place it was used in all the Bible. But there's another word that's kin to it, it's the verb form of that word, and it meant to defile or to do something unclean, to spot or to stain. And James uses that other word talking about the defiling effect that the tongue has on the entire body. How many of you getting ready to go somewhere and you need to be dressed fairly nice is going to put on your best white shirt with a big old spaghetti stain right there? That one thing defiles that whole shirt. He says that the tongue defiles the entire body. I talked about World War II last Sunday morning. I talked about how America was pulled into that war and how Japan maliciously and intentionally bombed Pearl Harbor and you know the story and we know that more than five years later and several hundred thousand lives later that the Japanese stood on the deck of the USS Missouri and signed a peace treaty because they'd been defeated but the part I didn't talk about was we know what the defeat was was that atomic bomb they couldn't handle another one of those they'd already had a couple and they knew that America had more than they could handle now here's the deal they came on board the USS Missouri 
they signed the peace treaty. And I told you that before the gun barrels had cooled on the battleships, America had ships headed that way to help them rebuild their country. But here's something else. After the war was over, for years after it had ended, the fallout from those bombs continued to fall on that land. There was no war going on. There, there was no longer any bombs dropping. But yet they continued to have a negative effect on the people. The same thing is true in the power of the tongue. It's not a word spoken once and done. Evil words spoken out of the human mouth has a fallout effect that carries on from the untamed tongue. You can take it back. You can go to that person and apologize. You can no longer be at war with that person. You've signed a peace treaty with them. You, it's all over and done. We're at peace. But the fallout from the things that the tongue said will continue on for years. Somebody go ahead and say amen. The expression that James uses here for setteth on fire the course of nature comes from a word. The word course refers to a wheel. It has to do with the whole round of human activity. And then the word that he uses for nature has to do with our earthly life. So James sees life as this wheel of circumstances. And he says that the tongue is capable of destroying all of it. What it does, it gets the wheel off center. It gets it out of balance and it destroys the perfect balance. It is the tongue that can destroy the heart of a human human being it is the tongue that can voice our worst most innermost thoughts just because you think it doesn't mean it has to come out but it is the tongue that voices those things it is the tongue that can ignite and make known all of our worst passions make known every evil lust Make known every hatred, every evil thought. It results in all kind of evil, and it disrupts the perfect balance of life. Even within the church, the tongue is the thing that disrupts the perfect balance. Such is the power of the tongue. Some of the lies that the tongue tells are diabolically wicked. James says here, and is set on fire of hell. Some of the language that the tongue uses can only come from hell. Good thing I'm preaching on a Sunday night because Sunday morning I'd have to crawl out under the pews right about now. Some people are like, you need this on Sunday morning. No, I'm trying to keep some church members right now on Sunday morning. Some of the language that the tongue uses can only be directed from evil spirits. When somebody uses foul language, anybody listening? When somebody uses foul language, there is no way that at that moment they are being led by the Spirit of God. There is no way that at that moment the Holy Spirit is sitting on the throne of their life. People say, well, I, I go to church. I, I'm a Christian. Well, you can say you're a Christian. The tongue can say whatever you want it to say. I, I, I go to church nearly every Sunday. So what? Caiaphas was the high priest, and he used his tongue to accuse the Son of God. Caiaphas went and rounded out all of the people that went to his church. He went to all the ones that went to the synagogue. He went out and got all the religious people from his crowd, and they used their tongue as false witness against the Son of God. All of the high priests walked by the priest. The priests of the synagogue, you know, the religious crowd, they all walk by in front of the cross wagging their head. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let him come down off that cross. We'll believe him. 
Just because you go to church doesn't make your tongue holy. The only thing that makes our tongue holy is to be led by a holy and righteous God. Well, anyway. But then he says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. Man, I used to train Labradors, best dog on the planet. Those others are cute little dogs. We love Bentley to death. Man, he's a little shizzly with a terrible attitude. But he lets us live with him, and most of the time he don't bite us, so we're okay with him. I train Labradors. They're amazing. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter if they're out in the field, if they're digging the grass, they're running, playing. Everything's over. Whichever hand I put out, that dog's right there. That dog's in a dead run right there. If I do this, that dog's steady backing up. You do this, that dog's steady moving. But whatever you do, that dog's right here. You send them out, you blow a whistle, they're facing dead at you. You give them that cast, they're, gone. they're, they're, they're the best remote control device ever. They're amazing. You, we train these dogs to do this stuff. Not all that, we train them to live in our house with us, or they train us. I'm not really sure which just yet. But they make great companions. Anybody got a little dog in the house? It took my wife about, oh, 30 years before she would allow one in the house. They finally crossbred them enough so they got those kind that don't shed, so thank God I was actually able to get one. But they become our companions, and what would you do without them? How many of you know that a lot of times it's just the dog that makes you laugh in your house? It's just something. They, just, they bring joy sometimes when they just wasn't anything to be joyful about. And I don't care what you did or what kind of mood you're in when you get home. They are always happy to see you come home. We go to the circus. People take lions and tigers, and they train them to do whatever they're told to do. They take these big old elephants, these beastly animals that can move anything, and they train them to do whatever a man desires. He says you take even the, the fish of the sea, the things of the sea, you go to SeaWorld or, or to the Atlanta Aquarium, and they take dolphins, and they teach them to jump through hoops and balance balls, and they take sea lions and teach them to play, and they run. They, I mean, the name killer whale ought to say something. Killer whale just saying. But they take killer whales and make them look like a poodle. They get out and do all their tricks and they come up and they're so excited because their master's going to give them a little fish now. He says, you can tame all this stuff. You can train everything that's there. But you cannot tame the human tongue. Wow. Verse number 80 says, because it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Even the most gracious of men have said things in their life they wish they could take back. Even the most spiritual of men have said things to somebody that they know cut them and they wish they had never said them. Is it okay? Everybody know what I'm talking about? No apology can undo the damage by the slip of one tongue. And you know what's crazy? A lot of times the person that said it can't even believe they said it. 
A lot of times it was just at that moment that everything added up and it finally, but can I tell you, if you said it, even though it was at that moment and you can't believe you said it, it had to have been simmering in your mind for a while. All the tongue did was made known what was going around in that squirrel cage in the first place. Now, therewith, bless we God, even the Father. And therewith we curse men which are made of the similitude of God. Now, that, that verse can get really personal really quick. Especially on a Sunday. Because they played college football on a Saturday. And there are some people that watch some college football games. That things didn't go like they wanted it to go. And before you know it, they're screaming at the television set. And then an umpire referee makes a call that just went against your team and people call him things. And I would say because he's doing his job, but I'm about sick of watching football because they're not good at their job anymore. They really do determine the outcome of football games with their bad calls. So on Saturday, people use their tongue to say all manner of stuff talking to the television set. And then on Sunday, if their team came from behind and won, they'll come to church. If their team lost, there's always next Sunday. But if their team happened to grasp Holton to come, they'll come to church with the same mouth, with the same tongue that watched that Saturday ball game and come set up here and sing songs that are to a holy and righteous sovereign God. But before they get out of the parking lot, somebody cuts them off. Get to the restaurant, line's too long. And there comes that old tongue. You know the one that was there on Saturday? It kind of disappeared for a few minutes where it could talk to some holy folks. But that thing slides back in. If it ain't bad enough, the NFL is fixing to come on and the Falcons still have a team. For two weeks in a row, where'd they come from, man? Where those guys been all year? Praise God they beat the Saints. That's all I'm saying. Oh, back to preaching. I know I did not watch that game. True story. It was on and I'm studying in another room. I come in there and I ask Robin, I said, what's the score? She said, 26 to 3. I look, I said, Falcons? She said, yeah. I said, my goodness. And about that time, it's second goal on the one, and they scored a touchdown, holding. Next play, holding. I said, that's why I ain't watching them. I went right on back to where I watched two plays, and it was two holding penalties. Why did I get off into that? That's the things that dictates the tone. That's the things. You, you know, to, to watch those games, you would think that the destiny of the entire world hung in the balance of this game. If this team doesn't win, the sun's not going to come up tomorrow. All the world will be over. Mankind will be doomed to hell for all of eternity if my team doesn't win this game. Isn't it crazy how much influence we put on that game? I wish I could say y'all, but I'm one of those nutcases. I'm getting better about not talking to my television. I don't have to. Robin does that for me. Especially when Auburn just, well, anyway. I wonder how many people would want you to take what they said on Saturday evening and post it on the Sunday morning church bulletin page. 
Hello. I wonder how many people would want people to know what they said in the privacy of their own home. Lord, help us. Verse number 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. How many people would completely agree with James? These things ought not to be so. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. These things ought not to be. How many would agree that it's a lot easier to point out the problem, recognize the problem, to be honest, even admit the problem than it is to fix the problem? Well, the problem is that we are living in this divided life. We're still living in this fleshly body, driven by fleshly desires, but yet we're filled with the Holy Spirit with holy desires. But you cannot live a double standard life. You cannot be pleasing to both. It has to be one or it has to be the other. Whichever you're doing, that's the life that you're serving. That's the one that you're pleasing. So, so if you're not at home, what you claim to be at church, that's because you're really not what you claim to be. Because what you are, when you think nobody else is looking, determines who you really are. That determines what is driving you. Now, I know some of that's a little stout for Sunday night. But the truth is the truth. It doesn't matter when we preach it. And the Bible wasn't written for Sunday morning. It was written for all crowds. So the tongue has no life of its own. It has no decision-making material of its own. It, it can make no decisions. It can only do what it's told to do. It can only say what it is told to say. So here's the deal. It is either controlled by the spirit of the flesh or it is controlled by the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. One of the two has to control the tongue. It cannot be controlled by both at the same time. If the Holy Spirit is on the throne of our lives, then out of our mouth, Jesus said, it would flow bellies of living water. Matthew, John, John chapter 7, verse 37, last at that great feast. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 7. He talks about the problem is that we have a divided heart. We're born with this nature that can do nothing right. Thank God we are born again with a spirit that can do nothing wrong. What we have to decide is which one of those are we going to let control our life. All of our conduct, all of our actions, all of our words, everything that we do is driven by one of these two natures. We either exhibit the works of the flesh or we display the works of the spirit. Paul says the only way to tame the unruly tongue is to crucify the flesh daily. That's why he told the church at Galatia, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, which loved me and gave himself for me. If I'm not crucifying this old flesh daily, often, 
throughout the day, then I'm going to wind up living in the flesh. Amen? So anytime the tongue is speaking something that is not of God. Anybody paid attention? You're still with me. Anytime the tongue is speaking anything that is not of God, it is because at that moment that person is not being led by the Spirit of God. I probably just need to let that digest for a minute. I need to say that again. Anytime that the tongue is speaking something that is not of God, that is because at that moment, that person is not being led by God. Think about anything that you've said in the past week. Think about anything that you've said in the past month. Something that you might have said ugly about someone. Something that you might have said ugly to someone. Something you might have said while watching that ball game when you really thought your team was supposed to win. Something that you said when that car cut you off. Something that you said when that person did something to you. You know, that, that person, that somebody really did something that really set you off. What were the words that come out of your mouth? See, I don't know what it is for you. Everybody has their own. Everybody has their own chain, and the devil knows right where it's at, and he knows right when to pull it and how to do so. He usually don't just come tug on it. He sets you up. He starts out with a little something and lets you be victorious a few times till you think you've got a handle on things, and then one day it starts out with little things in the morning, and it builds up 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 till he grabs your chain and says, whoa, whoa. And whatever comes out of your mouth wasn't driven by the Spirit of God. Think about everything that we've said in the past week. Anything that you might have said that was unkind. Anything you might have said that was unfriendly. Anything that you might have said that was negative about a brother or sister in Christ that we talked about this morning. And, and then weigh it on this scale. If what you said was not Christ-like, it's because at that moment you weren't led by the Spirit of Christ. So if we think back on things that we've said, can we think of times in our recent past when we were not led by the Spirit of God? There, there's an awful lot of this text left. Um, I guess the saying is there's a lot of meat still on that bone. I think that's a good place to stop. I don't think that's where I fell asleep when I was studying. <laughs> if what you said was not Christ-like, it's because at that moment you weren't led of Christ. At that moment you were led by the spirit of flesh and not the indwelling spirit of God. No, no, no matter... No matter what's going on in the past week or, or in the past period... We're either led by the Spirit of the flesh or by the Spirit of God. Now, here's what I want. I want everything that comes out of my mouth to give glory to my God. I want everything that this tongue is used for to give glory to my God. 
I want every breath that comes out of this body to be breathed in glory and honor to my God. And you do too. I know that you want the same thing that I want. We want to be pleasing to God. It's why you're here tonight. It is our desire to be pleasing to the one that climbed up on that old rugged cross for no reason at all other than he loved me. And he said, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And he paid for my sin. I want everything. Listen, it ought to break our heart to say anything about another brother and sister in Christ. Because if you can talk about a brother and sister in Christ at that moment, you're not being led by the same Christ that you claim you glory and honor. So it ought to be our desire. And I believe it is for everybody in this place. I believe every one of us share the same common goal. That's why I want to stop right here. I think you can belabor past the point. I think we all kind of get the point right here. The tongue's going to do one of two things. It's going to glorify God or it's going to glorify Satan. There is no other ground. If it is not for God, then it is against God. If it is not giving glory to God, then it is giving glory to the enemy. And I don't want that no-account joker getting no glory off my mouth. I wish I could say he never has and never will, but both of those would be wrong. But what I can do is try to get as close to God as I can. The more often I read his book, the more often I pray, the, the closer I try to walk with him, the more often I'm led by the Spirit of God, then I'm going to say things that, that will lift people up, that, that will exemplify Christ so I think what I want to do we all have the same goal don't we we all just want to be pleasing to God we all just want to say things holy we all just want people to see Christ in us I think I just want us to just come pray together and ask him to help us do that I need help anybody need help y'all 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 live in the same county I live in a lot of you didn't raise your hand. Y'all need no help. I need help. I, I want us to take, Brother Tim, yeah, come, come play something. Let, let's just take a few minutes and let's just pray and ask God to help us have control over this unruly tongue. Because if the tongue is led by the Spirit, then the tongue will be used for spiritual things. And I want my tongue to be used to spiritual things. I want my tongue to make a difference. I want people to see Christ in my tongue. I want people to see Christ in my vocabulary. I've had a vocabulary that gave glory to the devil, and I'm not proud of that, but I don't want to give him no more.